0: Welcome to Living Medicine, the podcast. I'm Selina Van Orden, your host, and I'm an Ayurvedic doctor living and working in the UK. This podcast is focused on having meaningful conversations which expand our awareness on wellness. By applying the wisdom of Ayurveda as a living medicine philosophy and interpretation of nature's intelligence, we'll seek to understand healing in the modern era. So, for our inaugural podcast, I couldn't be more excited to welcome Shinoa Egawa here. Um, and I'm just going to give a little intro. So, Shinoa is a Coast Salish of the Numi and Sklalem nations of Washington state. She is an author and illustrator. Her published works include Tani's Search for the Heart and The Whale Child. Both books were co-written and co-illustrated with her brother, Keith Egawa. Shinoa is also a singer, medicine carrier, storyteller, Qigong practitioner and teacher. She is dedicated to bringing healing to our Mother Earth and to people of all origins. Hi, Shinoa. Good morning, Selena. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really happy to be here with you. Me too. This is great. Um, so, I'm very excited for this conversation and to also introduce everyone to Shanoa's incredible book, The Whale Child. And so we're going to have a little chat about that and then we're going to look into some of the indigenous knowledge that Shanoa carries and um, I can't wait to hear everything. Um, so we've got The Whale Child here, this is a picture of this beautiful illustration here. And I'd love to hear about why you wrote it and what brought about the particular theme of it.
1: So the, uh, the the whale child is actually inspired by one of our own children and just, I think, how we feel as parents, aunties, uncles, grandparents of our, our young ones. And the way that we see them as they come into the world with a pure heart and a pure mind and They're open and they're um, they're clear and they're uh, they're ready to learn and they want to they're interested in everything they're um, they're just us we see them in their purity the way that they're born and we want to help them to go through life and be able to maintain that um, beauty of the spirit that they carry and sometimes as they go through life as we all go through life. A lot of different things happen, and some of those things are really heavy, and sometimes it can traumatize the heart and the mind and the body. And uh, I think that our teachings as Native people, Indigenous peoples, I think in the Ayurvedic system as well, and many other cultures around the world, we have teachings about um, what it is to take care of your heart, your mind, your body, and your spirit and so this book was inspired by seeing the purity of one of our children and then also looking at um, the way that this earth and the nature is so giving and um, how we're interconnected with the nature in every moment we're completely in contact and connection and given sustenance and life by the nature by the natural world by the earth the sky the sun the moon the stars and everything in between with the plants and the forests and um, just recognizing that we're in a state of a um, lot of challenges on, on our planet as a whole today and there's a lot of environmental damage and destruction that continues to uh, go on as we get more disconnected from the nature and go more into our minds and technology so this book was really like how are we going to introduce our children to um, these these subjects, these themes of what are what's occurring on the earth now in a way that um, our children can be informed and begin to uh, discuss solutions with parents and families and teachers and with one another and really see uh, the ancient wisdom about how to live in a more harmonious way within our own hearts and then how that reflects out into the world. And so this story is really... Um, a, a one that shows the magic that has always been here, that there's so many miracles occurring at any given time. And sometimes we get caught up in our minds and we we miss the really simple, uh, beautiful things that we just take take for granted, like being able to breathe, <laughs> being able to have pure water. Be, you know, and so uh, we wanted to have this teaching story about the wisdom of this young whale child who comes to the earth he's transformed into a human boy by the spirit the living spirit of the water and he's told that he has human family on the land and in this way that we're all interconnected even if we come from different parts of the world if we're different species you know that we are all interconnected and so he meets his human sister who's coast salish Uh, We don't indicate which tribe she comes from, but the teachings that she also carries from her family, and then the two of them together as a whale child being transformed into a human boy for a short time, walking with his human sister, they get to see different landscapes and even travel into the ocean and see the impact of um, different environmental damage that is occurring. So that's, uh, we wanted to help all the children too, to see uh, what's going on and kind of bring children together into the forefront and say, we can uh, create the next generation of caretakers of the earth. So that's a little bit about it. I
0: mean, the amount of things you just touched upon, which um, give me such joy and um, it's really what you said about the, the, the pure hearts of the children and the looking after them and looking after the hearts. It's not something we really think about in Western medicine and Western culture, about the interplay between the mind, body and spirit and, um, you know, someone as a whole. And it's interesting, I think, that is it that these indigenous teachings were not necessarily to be shared before. But is it that we do you see, I think what to this state now? it's like they need to be because of how far we've transmuted away from that?
1: They uh, they were always shared within the um, within the tribe and within the um, the local population. Uh, and they were they're called the teachings. so even our stories of where the teachings are the teachings still today. And people were raised more in harmony with nature because the foods and the medicines, from the different plants and animals came from uh, the, the surrounding environment and so there was a direct relationship and understanding of the movement of nature within the region of the people of each of the different, all the different tribes. And so the wisdom uh, went for thousands and thousands of years from the beginning of time that we were each put in the places that we were upon this Mother Earth. And so those teachings were always integrated as as part of um, the daily life. And I think that when education and the modernization and industrialization came in, and so there was just this huge rift that happened between the cultural knowledge and way of life, the food system, the uh, the ceremonial and spiritual practices, the understanding of the relationship, the movement of people from their homelands, their traditional territories, to small reservations that um, they often couldn't maintain the way of life. So there was this huge uh, change in understanding your relationship as a part of the earth and as a part of everything around you to then being kind of squished down into a small place that was not who you were in your heart or your spirit. There were intentional things around the planet, with, with indigenous peoples all over the planet, to um, cut the spiritual ties that is that hold the wisdom to our interconnectedness. And the power that we each carry, as we were saying with the children, there's that beauty and that purity and that special gift that every child is born with. And when you um, when you make that child not believe in who they are, or that they carry that gift, then you can kind of form the masses into your own, your own uh, wishes, you know, as a power that, that is uh, overseeing a nation, for instance, or, you know, different parts of the world. So I think it's, this is a time really to come back into the miracle that we each carry inside of our own spirit that needs to be remembered, that we carry the memory of life on earth within our, within our bones, within our blood. And within our spirit, within our heart, and um, it's a time to awaken. So these teachings they were shared with people among the the tribe they came from, but then they were held and protected from the outside world because there was so much <clears throat> attack on those systems. So people had to kind of go underground a lot of times and. Maintain those spiritual practices and maintain those ways of life to the best of the ability But um, as a way to protect it, it wasn't being shared And then there was a point where the elders said It's time to share because we need to all remember And we're all in this together And if we don't come together as people from all over the world Then we're going to uh, destroy ourselves (laughs) The earth, you know, might go on But we, you know, let's Let's share the wisdom that comes from uh, the ancient ones, the ancestors that carried the prayers and the, uh, the the knowledge, and try and remember that within our own heart through the way that we live in a daily on the daily basis. Right, beautiful,
0: yeah. Because in Ayurveda, there's this beautiful um, saying in Sanskrit, "Pindite Brahmati, which means as is in the body, the Pindi is in the cosmos, the Brahmati. And there's a reflection therefore between the small the micro and the macro and this is what you're touching on, which as I see it is lost in a lot of the um the Western medical culture. So everything is looked at through a microscope. And when looking when I read your book, um it's this idea of it's like what you said at the beginning of taking for granted where we get our water from like take it for granted that we have water that we have water to drink you know and then it's like well well where's this water coming from how is it being treated what is it doing to us where's it coming from and how are we treating the water and this is this whole right. when we look at the whole picture that you then so beautifully illustrate in the book um i'd love to talk to you about that um just just this the the, the macro vision that you illustrate in this book and then how it's so personal as well for each of us and how it's so sacred of it.
1: Yeah, right So there, you know, there's so a lot of people on the planet now that don't have access to clean water and I think if we're in living in a place where we do have access we're still very fortunate and um, we're taught through the teachings that um, water is alive as all the nature is alive and carries a spirit and a wisdom. We're made mostly of water. We um, our thoughts, we know and understand through um, our our uh, elders and ancestors that the water listens to what we say, that the the water is the most transforming uh, element. It has the power to transform into any um, into any shape, into any, Um, energy. So if you put that love and that respect and that care and you talk to the water or pray to the water and put your best thoughts, your best intentions, that water listens to you and then it becomes uh, positive and charged in that way so that it can bring healing. We say it's the number one healer. The water is one of the number one healers. And um, when you think about it too, uh, there's there's the negativity will also go into the water. So the strife and the struggle and the hatred and the 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 characteristics of our dark side as human beings also goes into the water. And so, in that way, as we sit in our home and we take our cup of water in the morning and we think about um, that water arriving to us and then putting that prayer, and that good and that good thought and that good intention into the water, that it becomes the medicine, and we drink that and we take it in, and then we change ourselves to match that in the outer world. So you can't just be kind and praying to the cup of water. Then you need to, you need to go out and be that way in the world too, and respect the water and see what um, that this water is is in need of our respect and in, in interrelationship that it provides for us with generosity. It, it, We say it's it's born at the top of the mountain, and um, the youth rain is born from the male rain and the female rain, and it forms at the top of the mountain. And then when you see the top of the mountain uh, and the snow that gathers at the top, and then as that snow melts, it, it trickles down into the streams and the creeks, and then it forms into the the rivers, and it's like the veins. It's It's like the circulation system of... Of the earth, and the the air travels on top of the water, and so it's it's a lot like our it, it is what you said the quote in um the Ayurvedic way of understanding we are the microcosm of the macrocosm we are made of this inside we 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 carry the systems inside of us and the wisdom and the knowledge that exists with each one because they are they are living they are um and they have these qualities where they can teach you how to be a good person how to flow how not to get stuck how not to be blocked um sickness comes from blockage and you you look at the earth and you you see the dams that have been created for power that is not even a really a reliable source of power it's a lot of destruction to create a dam and then what you you receive is temporary and um not very helpful overall, but that blockage creates a sickness um, on the earth and that blockage within us emotionally creates a sickness if it's left blocked. And so the water shows us, you know, how to flow and how to let go and how to open and how to be grateful. The way the water goes down the mountain, it, it gives life to everything in its path. It doesn't say, oh, I'll give to you and not you or you and not you. It's just Open and generous, and um, uh, see there's no judgment. It's like the human side that we have of judging things and judging people, and uh, is really human. I, I don't see that in nature happening. And so it can teach us okay, this is how you be, uh, you know, observe the nature and be like the nature and mm-hmm. harmonize that within yourself from inside to outside, outside to inside. So we tried to touch a little bit of on those things in the book too, you know that that there's really this responsibility uh, to wake up, you know, with wake awaken ourselves to what is uh, more of the truth, and we're living in a time where the truth is getting further and further away from the minds of our children as we go into artificial intelligence and technology and. The inability to sit face to face and to have a conversation and to look people in the eye and you know growing up with a phone in your hand or growing up with the computer and having to go to school on the computer uh, and so the book is also remember your remember what you are um, I have a qigong instructor that I that I study with and in the Taoist philosophy they say you know things change life changes continuously but in thousands and thousands of years one thing that hasn't changed is the function of the organs and this the heart is not now digesting food the heart you know the the the, the intestines are still doing that so it think that hasn't changed and how our body is linked to the seasons and to the nature and to the emotions and is um to the elements also so it's it's uh important to come back to our senses. And that We have that saying, you know, somebody who's gone crazy has lost their senses. You know, we say it's lost their senses. And so it's, we have to be careful to remember that this is the way that we're connected through our senses and our experience um, with, the, with the nature. So um, yeah. yeah, the book w- is really bringing some of these conversations up for children and looking at ways to share that with families and teachers and and seeing that the whole system needs to change because what we're learning is not helping us uh, sustain our our earth and the nature. And so, therefore, if it's not doing that, it might not be as worthy of a job as we think it is because we can do whatever job we want for money, but if we don't have um, an earth and water and the basic... At elements that we're connected to in harmony and health, then it does that job isn't going to last either because we just won't be able to keep doing that. And also,
0: if we're ignoring, you know, what you're talking about sounds so simple when you put it so beautifully like this it's our awareness, right? Of us expanding our awareness so that we understand, you know, what our experience in every moment is and our interrelation with each other and. Mm-hmm. The, the day as we wake up and the sun comes up, and how we eat, and how we live, and how we drink right. water, and our great gratitude for those things. And that's our, and it's interesting that what has happened now, what I see happening in the world is as if to make things easier for people, you know? Um, and then all of this technology is put in place as if to make it all easier. And in fact, it's just abstracting everyone from reality. And right. like you say it's like what if if we don't have reality anymore then what what are we doing here <laughs> if we're not in touch right. with that reality as humans you know and that awareness
1: right right yep it's in it's something to look at <laughs> right <laughs> right but um I love in the book
0: also so you talk about the really the 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 cycle of water mm-hmm and so you talk about when we think of actually what we put onto the crops. So when we're putting something onto a crop, then how that's being soaked in by the earth, how that's then precipitating back into the sky, then we're raining it down into the waters. Um, I'd love for you to talk a bit more about that cycle that we, again, take for granted so much that we probably don't even know about.
1: Right. So in this story, we talk about uh, the whale child, is talking with his little sister about uh, the cycle of water and how it travels from the the mountain and comes down. And then it circles back up from the, the rivers and the lakes and the oceans and goes back up into the clouds. And it carries, and then it circulates around the earth too. So there's the poles, the North Pole and the South Pole. And, I, and we put this in there because we wanted children to understand that what uh, we're doing here, it gets because everything is interconnected, nothing is compartmentalized and separate. It's all one system functioning together. And so uh, the water is receiving the contamination from the factory that the smoke is billowing up and out, the um the traffic, the exhaust, the um the mining projects, and, you know, putting, Toxic chemicals into the water system to extract other minerals and going and then letting it contaminate entire watersheds and rivers. And then it circulates back up and goes up into the sky and then it comes down in the rain. And so there's, I I heard at one time that there's the same amount of water that's been here on the planet since the beginning, since the creation of the earth and through the creation stories. And then water has had the wisdom to. Purifying, cleanse itself, and the way that it travels above, on top, and below the earth, inside the earth, and it comes and it purifies itself. But we've kind of reached this point now where we've been um, involved in so many contamination projects and mining, and you know the globalization, industrialization, that now we're impacting the quality of our water and all the species that are in the water are uh, they have the toxic levels of, you know, mercury and other industrial poisons in their bodies. So again, then we eat them, we eat them, and then we carry it. And so we're all connected. There's no way to say, and and I think one thing that was hard that I've heard from people is if you don't live in a place where there's water, so say in the Midwest, in the United States, some people have said, We've, our children have never seen an ocean. Our children have never seen a wild river. They've never seen a, a, a lake, you know. And, they've, and so it's hard for them to understand how these systems are all interconnected. So we have to kind of bring that into their awareness. Uh, and then, it, like you said, it, it's common sense. Common sense is a form of intelligence. Uh, common sense is actually um, wisdom. And so uh, we need to just help make sure that our children are seeing these things and then they can understand it within their own world. Where does this? So, one of the things is in the story where does your water come from? Uh, is your water coming from a deep well within the earth or is it coming from the mountain? Is it coming from a watershed that you have in your region? And where does it travel uh, before it gets to you? And where does it travel when it leaves you? And so, following the path of water, in order to see what is it's encountering along the way to you and away from you, and then circling back. So, um, and then we need to take care of all those pathways that water travels. So we talk about that in the book too. Yeah,
0: right. It's like pure ayurveda as well for me. When I'm working with people, what I'm always looking to do is to clear the channels of the body and the mind. That's it's like how can we have clear communication. Through the very um, the, the the larger channels of the body and the more subtle ones, um, in order that we the body knows what's going on. There's proper communication and there's proper flow. Because lack of flow, as you say, and blockage is disease. We need ease, not disease. Right? Right. But um, it's interesting. This the awareness then of as you say, if you don't see the living water, you. It's like with food as well, if you don't see how the food's being produced, you'll or understand what it's doing to you and you're just told, this is what's good for you now or you're given something. or you um, right, don't understand the toxicity of something.
1: But and then uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. no, no, please thank no, you. Yeah, I was just thinking about what you were saying with that um, why it could be really wonderful for people who are growing their own food. And really taking care of it and seeing how you're nurturing it and seeing how it responds to your care and what it requires from nature and and, um, looking at the soil also, because I think the soil is the other thing that we're really depleting around the globe, around the planet. So yeah, just coming back to smaller local community, um, putting our hands in the dirt, (laughs) be watching and nurturing plants and, and then- the joy of what it means to receive that food and harvest it and, and take it into your body, having seen the cycle that it's gone through to become this miraculous, nutritious, beautiful food that has been provided by the earth and all the elements. That's so beautiful.
0: So on this, because I think we all hear a lot of horror stories about what's going on in the world, and I think people feel quite helpless, and maybe people latch onto things that they think will be helpful and they don't really know what it is that they're latching onto necessarily or don't know where the knowledge has come from so much that they're hearing um, to do with this stuff. But I also hear of a lot of great things that are going on. Um, And I wonder, I know that we've talked before about this and I wonder if you could tell me a bit about some of the things that you've seen
1: going on where we are seeing hopeful stories um, well I think people are I, I see a lot of people coming together um, one of the things is uh, bringing the cultural wisdom from different peoples out into the world and sharing what it means to be in harmony with it living with the seasons for instance um, and looking at the foods that are growing in in your region in that in each time of year and and knowing that you have to take care of them, but that's actually being provided to you at that time of year because it's in relation to what your body and your organs need in order to be healthy. So we also have and, and so I see that there's a lot more local movements uh, in the slow food movement in in, in uh, growing your own food, in coming together as a community, in sharing stories and teachings. Um, with, uh, with children and with families and going into educational systems and talking with teachers and seeing that they, after the pandemic, are also in a state of chaos and knowing inside of themselves that we do need to change because they're completely stressed out trying to drill things into children that are not maybe the right things that are needed. And they also need to calm themselves down because they're all stressed out. And so looking at mindfulness and um, coming back into the body, uh, the, the the breath and the importance of the breathing and um, and the, the importance of managing your emotions and understanding what it means to be in harmony. And yeah, there's so much wisdom. There's so much wisdom. And I think that... Um, it just needs, there needs to be a change in how things are done. I know there's places uh, where there's stores that have attempting, they're attempting to have zero waste and kind of looking at, I I just keep seeing over here in the States, just the amount of plastic. And I think it went up even more uh, during the pandemic, because then we were all paranoid about germs. And so then things that used to be in bulk like vegetables then now they're all prepackaged in this thick plastic and it's just like wow you know I, I would talk to the people in the grocery store and say why are you putting these in the plastic and they were they, they just said well we know it's really doesn't seem right but that's what they tell us to do so we kind of have to think for ourselves too and 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 talk to people like say hey you know we each can be a source of change. We each need to be a source of change and opening up a conversation in your local grocery store, just saying, Hey, you know, this, can we do this another way? And what would it take? And, you know, kind of just stepping into action and then trying to help each other with some of the solutions, I think too. It's, it's big. There's a lot of problems. And, but I think also staying positive, like just on a really, uh, personal level within someone's daily life. It's like, what What are your thoughts? Um, your thoughts form your actions and your words and everything that you think and everything that you feel and everything that you do ripples out into the bigger community of the world. And so are you putting something positive out or are you adding to the hatred and the anger and the and the hopelessness. And, and so I, I feel like there's, you know, we talk about the frequency of positivity and, um, love and caring and kindness that, that emanates out as opposed to hatred. And just like we were talking about some of the fires that have been burning over here and how that's the fire element out of control, which within ourselves is the anger and the hatred and, um, and it adds to because what you the quote you gave the ayurvedic quote yeah. the inside and the outside they mirror each other so what is going on outside of us is going on inside of us so you hear a lot of the elders and the the teachers and the masters say you need to you need to find peace inside of yourself in order to find in, in order to help this outside so it starts in here, in in your heart, in your mind. And it's really interesting that we're
0: talking about water as the main theme here, isn't it? Because as you say in Ayurveda as well, water is seen as the emotional body, um, exactly the flow and the lack of flow, um, and that then also this. I remember I don't if you ever came across um, there was a I think he was a Japanese scientist who looked into. Um, he, I think he put three pots of water and he prayed to one of them with love. He ignored another and then he said hateful comments to the third. And over a month or more, I, I, excuse me if I'm not getting the details quite correct here, he, um, he looked at, there are pictures of the three vessels. And the one that was had hate said it, it had gone dark and mouldy. The one that had said love was, it had some seeds in it was germinating. And the one that was ignored was not doing well either. Mm-hmm. So this is this is the water, right?
1: So, right, and I think people have known for um. Yeah, I remember when that came out, and some of some of our native people were saying, "Yeah, we you know we've known this for a long time." And I think other people around the planet, uh, you know, in Ayurveda, it's definitely known um, that the water has this potential to uh, mirror and to reflect and to become what you put into it, which everything does. But the water really being the most malleable element can change Gosh. that that easily through. That's why we pray. So the, we have in all of our ceremonies, there's a prayer for the water. And that's, that's why we do that, because we understand that, that that water goes into your system that is mainly water. And then it it affects the water of the body and can change and transform so it can unblock and it can move and it can heal and it can bring that light and it can bring the colors of the rainbow and it can bring the wisdom that it's carried and the knowledge that it has from being on the planet since the beginning of time. It knows all the nature carries our stories. We carry our stories. It's, It's everywhere but how do we tap into it? How do we tap into that? Because we're all capable. But if we're not taught and we don't talk about these things because we're all trying to move towards this modern world where everything is simple and handed to you, not for everybody, there's only a small percentage on the planet that that's true for. But I think that the ones of us that can go out and get that Mm -hmm. have more responsibility because we're in a position to choose where there's a lot of people on the planet who are not in a position to choose. And so we have to think and act for the, the well-being of the whole also.
0: Right. And then there's this idea that that's what we're all, even if we don't have it at our fingertips, and that's what we should have at our fingertips, so that there's this want and longing for that
1: which people don't have as well. Right, right. Coming back to more simplicity. Right. This is the thing. And it's so interesting what you said.
0: No, what you said about the knowledge that hasn't changed, the teachings that haven't changed, this is how I see Ayurveda as well. This knowledge has lasted because it's the truth. Whereas all of the, right. it's interesting when you see all these, the sort of, the information that comes out now that everyone's trying to work out all the time, you know, in science and materialism, everyone's trying to work it out the whole time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then I have a biologist, you know, <laughs> and they think they have all the answers. And the answers are here among the people. And and some of our people are are concerned, you know, that it's going away, but you have to try to hold it. <laughs> you know, hold it for the best that you can. You know, we say our ancestors have prayed for us to be here, and here we are, and now it's our turn to hold that prayer for the future generations. And so it's a cycle. It's a circle. It's circular. It's, and it's in a spiral. And so it's, it's continuing. Life is continuing to move in and out and coming into the earth and going out, back out into the stars and coming in and out. And so it's it's really, um, it's just time to remember and to come together from different cultures. And I, th- I think that we have so much wisdom and it's just the focus of what's being shared that needs to come back into alignment with the truth. Right. Because this is the thing.
0: With the technology and with this the new the new age of communication we're in, I've been lucky enough to learn Ayurveda. I realized that this knowledge I've, as right. a result of that, I, and the way that I could travel and um, by the fortune of my birth and everything, um, I've been able to learn this in a way that, right, my ancestors wouldn't have been able to, you know. And so I always mm-hmm. see there's two sides of this coin because I find. I find all the technological age that we're in quite
1: difficult and vexing on a lot of levels. And then I have to be grateful as well. Right, exactly. And everything has that duality too. So there's the, how are you going to use something in a positive way or in a disruptive way? And I think that, you know, what you're saying is there's a lot of positivity to being connected with the global community through technology. And let's use that for the best possible outcome in coming back into harmony
0: yeah and not going into apathy or um you know sleep right because that's that's what could happen right yeah if we all become so dependent on something and then it's like our awareness starts to sink our consciousness sinks our senses as you say we lose our senses that's what they say in ayurveda one Mm -hmm. of the things about dis-ease is when our senses are diseased, so what we're actually perceiving is not correct and there's a malfunction there and that's that's a that's a cause of disease and um, suffering mm-hmm. right right yeah um mm-hmm. we talked about I remember that there' something you know when we look at what's going on in the world in the greater picture of what we can all do as individuals and I, I, as you said before about changing the little incremental changes we can make to our life right that then became become new habit patterns that become new lifestyle um i heard of i heard of people in the amazon who are rebuilding the amazon um i don't know that they're rebuilding it at a faster rate than it's being dismantled but i heard some hopeful stories and i remember you once told me about some reefs that were regrowing but i wonder if you could touch on all right positive stories of things that you know, where we are
1: as humans, right, to make some positive change. Uh, I was so the during the pandemic, it was pretty obvious right toward the beginning as we were all quarantining that the nature was really happy that we were all staying home. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there were no airplanes flying by every day for a while, everything got shut down, and so you could only walk to the places, or you know, you could take your car. And But there were places you could go and um, the beaches that used to be full of people. And uh, one day I was walking down there and came upon the um, seals were just laying out on the beach and relaxing in the sun and there were no people down there. And I've been down to that beach often and uh, I could see and feel that the nature was like relaxing, like the nature could breathe. Now the nature is breathing because we're not putting so much pressure on it all the time. And the people had to stay home. And I was walking along the beach and, um, like 10 feet away from me, there was this huge bald eagle that was also sitting on the beach, enjoying being there. And, um, and it didn't see me, and I didn't see it until the last second, and we both kind of jumped back. We're like, wow the, the eagle flew off practically in my face, and I was threw my arms up, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> but I just remember the, <laughs> the beauty of the colors that came out without the contamination of all the traffic and all the air traffic, and um, it was like memories of childhood and just remembering how the nature, the colors, and the the um the brightness and the clarity in the atmosphere that i hadn't seen for a while or that you get to see after a big storm when everything's been cleansed and cleared but it was there was this beauty and we got to go to hawaii 2 years after the pandemic so it was like right when tra- right when travel started to open again and we went over to hawaii And we swam in this place where there was big big hotels and lots of tourists and spraying on tons and tons and tons of sunscreen and then jumping in the water and all that kills the reefs. And so there weren't any reefs there before. They were all, the coral reefs had been destroyed. And after two years of no tourism in Hawaii, uh, the little reefs were growing and they were probably like six inches tall. And I was and the fish were coming back. And so I was I was so happy to see that. And then everything opened up again. And I think that, you know, then we just bombarded the ocean again. And with human, you know, just too many humans and lots of contaminants that we like to put on and get in the water. And so, um, but you can see that the nature has the ability to come back pretty quickly. But we, it needs the alliance of the people and we need to um kind of be willing to do less travel less you know have less impact on the environment uh, in a contaminating way and and try to nurture the environment and and make you know our up here in this part of the world our salmon you know our our um, salmon habitats and we have the orcas and the orcas are they need a certain kind of fish that our our local residents here and the dams need to come out and so there's a lot of that can be done and when those things happen then the nature can can get a hold again and and rejuvenate itself but we have to be on board we have to be on board with that we have to get out
0: of I, I, as well in ayurveda it's like you get out of your own way it's us it's us it's us as humans and our mind and our thinking we're so clever that gets us in the trouble we're in really and it's like if you can step out of your own way then that is a a way of getting into a place of hell and wellness but rightshinova right, Shanoa, right. I ask you I was speaking to a friend the other day and you know we as I say we have these these doom and gloom stories all around us a lot and then we my friend and I were thinking, well, how, what is our vision for the future? Actually, if in our heart of hearts, like, because we need to paint this picture in our heart and our mind of what we want to be going towards, rather than um, assuming it's all just going to go to pot, really. So, I wonder what your right. vision is
1: in your heart of hearts um, for. What do you? is it? Yeah. Well, through the through the writing of the Whale Child, we were hoping. My brother and I were hoping to have. A positive impact for the children and bringing the these subjects to the uh, forefront so that they can be um, discussions to look you know sit down together in a classroom or in a community and discuss what can be done locally and again I think it's more local work that changes the bigger picture and the work inside so for myself the way I used to get really distraught and think, oh my gosh, what, you know, it is hopeless or are we ever going to wake up in time? But it's like, now I'm just, you wake up, okay? You yourself do it, you know? And so, um, you know, then, and then stay joyful and stay happy and still be grateful for everything that you see and pay attention and listen and, you know, switch it around. Like you're saying, the mind is, the mind. The more I learn, the mind it, it gets in the way, and it's the body, the gut, and the heart that have to tell you. Um, they help; they hold the wisdom. So, in our modern culture, in education, they say it's all about the mind. You know, the teachers are like drilling your mind, get it in your mind, get it in your head. You know, memorize it. But there's the wisdom that comes from the the belly and the heart, <laughs> and so it's really turning it around and even in our native teachings we say it's the heart that's the guide not the mind the mind is supposed to listen to the heart and the body and the gut the instinct the intuition and then the mind should carry out what those parts tell you because that's where all your wisdom is and so i think changing that in myself too like okay take these teachings and put them into action in your daily life. And so how it's perpetuated so far is, okay, we wrote this book and, you know, I dedicate myself each day and every job that I do to talking about these things. This is something that I can do. This is something that I can change in my own life. And then I can share that with other people. And then it's making an impact. If I'm staying positive and hopeful and I can see possibility and connection and, you know, it's going out beyond our normal border. So the border, that's another thing I think about. It's like, we've been taught to believe that we are these people and they are those people. And sometimes we get along and sometimes we just don't agree with them and we don't like them. And so we don't want to talk to them, but it's like, there's so much beauty in the human diversity of cultures and languages and ways of life on this planet. And those are the gems that we need to come back to, not all diving into this modern world, but hanging on to our languages that carry the wisdom of that relationship. And I think through that process of colonization, a lot of people felt like, oh, who we are is not worthy. And so we, we want to go over there. I mean, not everybody a lot of people know that we're very, it's very Wartney, <laughs> but, but there's, our children get drawn to, yeah. to this glittery, like uh, know, my, so. my husband's, pe- pe- yeah, the glittering world, they call it the, gl- the glittering world. And, um, and so I think, uh, yeah, just coming back into yourself, you know, what, what, what do we need to heal within ourself um, and the relationships that we can heal our hearts that we can heal, our relationship to our water, to our food, to our family, to our community. That's that's how I'm doing it. I I used to take on the weight of the world, but I realized that isn't that isn't going to be very helpful. You just need to take action in your own life. And, um, and then everything that you do, reaching out like with you today um, and bringing these conversations out into the world and lifting people up also you know giving them hope because we have to have we have to believe that it's possible in order for it to be possible right. if we don't believe it's possible then we've already doomed ourselves <laughs> and so holding the hope and again with this book the whale child it's like if you have children in your life you you, you don't get to not be hopeful because you have to be hopeful for them and you have to be uh, strong for them and you have to keep growing and being willing to learn and shift and change and stand strong for them, you know and so you know this is this is just a small part of it with the real child but um I think uh, I feel hopeful I feel I feel happy I feel <laughs> I feel good things good things are gonna come and um yeah that's beautiful it's uh we got some work we have we have a lot of work that's to good. do but
0: yeah. that's a thing i can't fall into another show
1: but enjoy it and enjoy it yeah right the process of- yeah enjoy the work enjoy the work that's, that's another thing i was thinking it's like enjoy the work and and then it's not work it's like follow your heart what makes you happy and then when you're you're following your heart. You're not really working. You're just living and you're happy and you're dedicated and devoted to what you're doing, but it's coming from a place of, of joy and happiness. And it's not, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. And it's like, bring your positivity and approach it with, with, uh, curiosity and, you know, openness and adventure of what am I going to learn here now? You know, so there's, there's just so much, so many good things that have been left for us to learn from our ancestors. And I think that, you know, it's just, we really want to pick it up as best we can and walk with it now.
0: Right. I love this, what you say also, because what I've been taught is that um, fear and love reside in the same part of our body. So when there is fear, there can't be the love and the connection to our heart and our wisdom and our knowledge. And so we have to shut, we have to try and move away from, you know, we can sometimes be living in a world where we're being pummeled by fear, right? And we need to make right. sure that that's not overtaking that space in our body, that the wisdom of our heart mm-hmm. remains, right?
1: And trusting, you know, I think that's where all these teachings come from, to the cultural knowledge is, is uh, trusting your life. And so yeah. getting the big picture, you know, not just so small that you feel trapped, expand out and see where we're at on this beautiful planet, this beautiful mother earth in with our solar system and the stars and the, you know, and and get the big picture. And yeah, the fear it's, yeah, there's a lot to say about that too, but (laughs) But it's like get out of the fear and
0: trust yourself. Right, right. It's also that thing of, it couldn't be any other way, right? We're here now. It couldn't be any other way on one level. And so then it's like, right, what can we continue to do, as you say, continue to enjoy that work of remaining positive, being positive to each other, creating example. Right. Yeah. And going with the flow, right? Like you said, with the water. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, um... It's just so wonderful speaking with you. I wondered if there's, we've talked a lot about a lot of things, but I wondered if there's anything else you wanted to share from the book or um, at this point.
1: So we have um, this, it's a children's chapter book. This is The Whale Child, and um, it's said to be children age 7 to 12, but there's a lot of wisdom in this book about um, our interrelationship with the natural world and especially the water and the hope is here. The hope is that our children will be the next generation of caretakers of our Mother Earth and that we can do that from all cultures and all places together. That we come together and do this work because we can't do it alone. It needs to be together. And the book is also um, it's it has a section in the back that's for teachers. So teachers can bring the story into the classroom and then have guided questions and projects that they could do with the kids to get them to think about the water cycle or, um, or traditional foods that grow in your region. From what culture, you know, so that we can have a representation of all the children that happen to be in any given classroom. We have all these cultures and traditions but we're just looking at it from one angle and we're missing all this beauty and wisdom about who is sitting in the classroom. And we need to remember all of those languages and cultures and ways of life. And that's the richness of our heritage as human beings. And so the story inspires children to um, to be the caretakers. And that that is my hope that in some small way, the life of the child that inspired this story is that great and that we all are that important and that great and that capable of, of doing this work and enjoying and meeting each other from different places and, um, having our lives enriched by that. And so I just hope that the story can go out and reach people all over the world and, um, that there can be hope in it and there can be an upliftment and conversation happening. Yeah. Beautiful. I can, I can verify that it's a
0: brilliant, brilliant book. And I, who, um, am quite a lot older than 12. (laughs) Enjoyed it very much. I think it's also (laughs) kind (laughs) of everyone. It's all these beautiful pictures (laughs) as well. It's got all these beautiful pictures that are done by you and your brother. Right?
1: Yes. Yeah. So we both got to, we both got to do the artwork and it's a new, it's kind of a new format for children's chapter books because they usually don't do um, illustrations, but we had done, I don't know, 70 illustrations or something. And so the publishers, North Atlantic Books over here in in California said, uh, okay, we're going to have the illustrations in here as well. And so... It's, it's a little unique in how it's been done. And maybe it's the sign of some, a new way that we can be and we can always transform. We can always change. Nothing needs to be stuck in a box. You know, we, we need to let our imaginations expand and, and um, see that there's a lot of possibility now. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful, Shanara. Well, it's been an absolute joy being with you and speaking with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me as your guest. This has been great to talk with you as well. Thank you, Selena. The Whale Child by Nami and Sklalem siblings,
0: Keith and Shinoa Egawa. It's available through Penguin Random House and Amazon.com. And if you want to find out more about Shinoa Egawa, go to swanclan.com. That's S-W-A-N-C-L-A-N.com. You'll find links for pureliving.com, Shanoa's website, swanclan.com, and The Whale Child in the podcast notes.